Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast, focusing on real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, it was a monumental week of rugby that we've just had, especially for Canada, the America's Rugby Trophy. Obviously, we'll get to that a bit later, but the main highlight was the women's quarterfinal against the USA. A bit of a deja vu going on, having played them in the final round of the group stage last week. And now we're talking about them again, but it seems, uh, you know, different week, same result. So what do you make of the rugby that's been happening? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we'll we'll get into the games, um, you know, in a little bit here. I thought uh, it was, you know, obviously a very, very entertaining weekend. The uh, the Women's World Cup, the quarterfinals, um, a lot of high skill on display. Absolute, like, monsoon um amount of weather though um for uh the final two uh semi-final games there mm-hmm. and like the um the england australia game and then obviously canada usa played in some pretty wet conditions which obviously made it kind of interesting um a little unfortunate that none of the four games were like overly close but the final four teams that are remaining are really the final four teams that you'd kind of expect to be left going into the tournament. So no, no yeah. like huge surprises for that. Um, and, uh, you know, over the rest of that man enjoyed uh, a lot of, you know, just rugby in general over the weekend. Like you kind of said, it was the nice to see, we'll get into it again later. Nice to see the men get a big W down in Brazil. Nice little midweek dub. That would, that was obviously a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, checked out some of uh, the slightly different codes that are available to us uh, here in Canada. Went to go see an Argos game, which was uh, a lot of fun as they're, uh, you know, the best team in the Eastern Conference right now, although they did not play like that on the game that I decided to go to. But still, <laughs> that's fun. Hell of a lot better than the team that's on your shirt right now going 0-3 versus the bottom half of the Pacific Division. Uh... And uh, we can start talking about firing everybody and trading every single player on the roster again. Um, despite the fact that our record, that the Leafs record, our record, that the Leafs record <laughs> is the same as you see, how, I guess the passionate fan comes out because apparently this yeah. is my record, even though I have no impact on this at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, even though the record's pretty much identical to where it was last year before they made the playoffs and then inev- inevitably failed us once again. So um, not the greatest season trajectory. Um, players yelling at each other on the bench. It's a good time. Good time in Leafland. Um, the Saracens seven and zero though, so that balances out. The Saracens just balance out the Leafs. That's the whole purpose that I tri- cheer for that team for is to offset the disappointment and misery from the Leafs. Um, shout out Alex, good performance or um, unreal. You know, most caps and uh, most appearances for the club now, and uh, had a try and a couple key kicks to boot. So it was a fun day too. At least they balance out the Leafs. Argos game was fun too. Yeah, I've got to say from uh, my European team perspective, it's not going quite well. Ospreys have played seven games, uh, won one, drawn two, lost four, have two try bonus points, but three losing bonus points. And one of the draws was against um, the champions of last year, the Stormers. So, yeah, I think it's obviously still early in the URC season. Obviously, uh, we've only played seven games. They've still got 11 more to go. It's not at this point you throw all the uh, water out of the bathtub just yet. Wait till game eight. Then we'll decide then. But, you know, not the greatest uh, trajectory. Obviously, no. um, soon enough, we've got the uh, autumn 
Nation Series and the rest of the Autumn Internationals, and that means the URC uh, takes a break during that international window. We've also got the uh, European, well, I say European, uh, it's more like Champions Cup now that South African teams are involved. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, not obviously not the best start to the season. They're basically doing what the Leafs are doing. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to qualification and with the URC and with the, uh, you know, shields that they have with uh, teams of four, so they have the Irish shield, the South African shield, the Scottish and Italian shield, is basically whoever finishes top of those small groups will qualify for the Champions Cup. So you never know. It's still early doors, yeah. but we'll be talking about that in about five months' time. So <laughs> we'll deal with that then. Yeah. Uh, let's so, focus on the... I was going to say, the, though, before we go, since you're talking about, like, you know, the I guess some of the internationals and stuff coming up or European rugby, how cool is it that England is putting last names on the backs of the kit? Well, it's not just England. It's Scotland as well. Scotland's so. doing it, too. I didn't see Scotland's doing it. So Scotland and England are putting last names on the back of the kit. Perfect. I love this. Yeah. I think this is the first time they've done it. I know that Wales has done it. They're not doing it this year, but they have done it previously. Yeah. So... And you know, uh, I mean, you know, we've talked about it before of how my like, yeah. MLR needs to just have like a rubber stamp and say every team needs to do this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, it's like promoting the athletes, getting more ideas for um, commercial revenue and things like mm-hmm. that. And you know, people have actually been saying, is it easier just to have, you know, guys have these kits made with their names on the back and then you can just like print the number on or tear it off after a game and things like oh, yeah. in go, no go way of like... way where you can change the number instead of changing the name that's actually yeah exactly like that's that not bad. um yeah. yeah i saw like i think um somebody like somebody that works for the newcastle falcons i think uh, i can't remember who it was in the name i saw a twitter thread i think they were like they worked for the falcons some sort of marketing thing um, mm-hmm. Or whatever, kind of started a thread on saying, like, you know, the pros and cons of maybe doing either one. Obviously, you know, there's some cost with just having the sheer number of jerseys um, that yeah. you kind of need for certain guys and stuff. Some guys play multiple positions. They might need three, four jerseys. Um, so that's obviously a little bit of cost. But I think, um, like, even even in the premiership right now, like, I like seeing that they have... Um, like the last names on i think though like one thing because i know part of that conversation that i saw on twitter um from that falcons thread um was like like you know i mean if it should be like you know can go to squad numbers or something and i'm not sure you need to do that because i do like the one through 23 it, i think yeah. that's something that differentiates differentiates itself from a lot of sports and i think i want to keep that rugby traditional element um in yeah. it so but like i think one but like unlike the premiership um one through 23 should have names on the back. The guys that yeah. come off the bench aren't less important just because. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's one through 23 should have names on the back. And then I think like the next step too, like England, Scotland and any other co- nation that wants to do this, like start selling jerseys with names on the back. Yeah. Too. Like that's I mean, got to be something that's got to I mean, soon. anyone who lives in Toronto or by extension, Ontario yeah. knows that MLSE have um, sold like Raptors jerseys, Leafs oh, jerseys, TFC jerseys with specific players' names on for an extra was it 20, 30 bucks a pop? So, but like I think I think the big thing with that too, like okay, so like going back to like when I used to work at the Hockey Hall of Fame, people would wear jerseys like all the time, yeah. right? And it's like in all honesty too, like part of it, and it's something that I think like rugby 
kind of misses out on too or like mm-hmm. rugby fans and like the shared experience of like the rugby community rugby fans or whatever is it's like it's honestly like really cool sometimes to see somebody to like walk in say like we're in toronto to like walk in and be like oh like this person's wearing like you know a tucker jersey or mm. you know or you know what i mean or a pot van jersey or something right and it's like you get and it's like people aren't just wearing like matthews or something right we're like i said tucker pot van gilmore even going back to like sittler because that's when like they kind of started selling jerseys at that point in time too right and it's like you can see people that have like you know the jerseys from like the different eras and you can define that based on players and it's also kind of fun like sometimes you see like random ass players or whatever like um you know like oh you get like maybe like a I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a random, like a Jason Blake leaf Jersey or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, is he, was he necessarily a great leaf? No, maybe not, but it's kind of fun. Like that's a, like a little mark of that kind of era. You get some of the randomness or whatever, which is something that it's like, you don't necessarily get in rugby too. Cause everyone just, especially for teams like the all blacks who don't really change their jerseys ever. Right. Yeah. And it's always just like, Oh, did, did it have a white collar this year or did it not like whatever? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think you can kind of get that fun. It's kind of a fun way to spark conversations and stuff too with the pub or whenever like you go out and things like that. I think if if teams, I genuinely believe if teams sold jerseys with names on the back, then like rugby fans would buy them. And a lot too. And probably buy more because right now you buy like the one kit for your team. But if you had like, you know what I mean? Like if you have certain players um, that you really like or whatever on a team, like um, especially like, you know, in MLR, like if you want an arrows jersey, you maybe buy one a year. Yeah. Maybe if you're a big fan, maybe you buy each color, home and away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But like if you're a really big if you're a big fan though, and they have names on the back, it's like maybe you start buying like two, three, four, five different players. Yeah. I mean depending on it. So I think it's a big I, I love the move. Um I think it'll help commentators. I think it'll help fans learn the game. Um I think it'll help the actual ability to market players on an individual level. Um, and yeah. I really hope more countries and more leagues start getting in on this and stuff too. And also yeah. premiership teams should sell kits with names on the back. Like I should be able to buy an Atoje jersey. It shouldn't be hard. All right. Well, let's focus on the weekend that just was with the Women's World Cup. And we have the repeat fixture of Canada versus the USA. And, you know, same venue, same teams, different week, but ultimately the same result so we start off and it doesn't really go uh Canada's way uh with Joanna Kutlinski for the USA scoring the first try in the 11th minute um misconversion but you know I think that's the thing I think it took Canada like 10 minutes to get warmed up as we said monsoon rain you know it was getting in the way of everything you know like had lots of handling errors lots of forward dependent movements going on to um you know get momentum going uh but then uh, in the 19th minute mckinley hunt scored the first try for canada and sophie de goody was able to get the conversion giving canada the lead then about five minutes later we have one of the tries of the tournament with karen paquin you know her in a foot race and ultimately coming out on top of that to score Canada's second try. Uh, De Goody unfortunately unable to get that conversion. 
And then it swings back to the USA, who um, in under 10 minutes then get a try from Hope Rogers and Ale Kelter gets the uh, gets the penalty. And actually, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hope Rogers didn't. I was going to say that try, that try uh, did not. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm just going through the uh, stats on the um, Rugby World Cup page, and they got it wrong. So if they got it wrong, I'm allowed to get it wrong. That's all I'm saying. Um, no, you got to yeah, be better that, than World Rugby. Got to be better uh, than the governing body. Yeah, I, I I know I should, but this is I can only do with what I've got in front of me, and that's apparently still in the list. So I was like, wait a minute. Um, so yeah, that um, try was ruled out. I believe that was the try which was called back because in the um, driving mall, the what? ball was dropped and knocked forward. Yeah, what a weird TMO review that was. Yeah, as, that was yeah. so like I mean, one in my opinion, anyways, clearly a knock on. Yes, um, you know if they if the if the on field official missed it, like from her view and stuff, I think yeah. it's pretty obvious where the camera was positioned that it looks like a knock on, right? Yeah. If that's out of the field of view of the ref, that's so so be it. But it was really weird, like listening to like the TMO try to be like, no, no, it's it's a knock on. It's like trust yeah. me, it's. A, it's a knock on. Uh, tr- trust me, bro. It's a, yeah, it's a knock on. That's what it was. It's like no, no. It's a clear knock on. It's a clear, or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a- like man, like uh, it's kind of bizarre. Um, but yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, this is this is like kind of strange listening to the, this TMO review because they're just yeah arguing. And, uh, essentially. Oh, something that has to be mentioned is that like according to the official uh, stats of the match itself. Um, the player, that, the person that made the most meters was apparently um, the USA's Olive Kelter with 90 meters. I believe the actual most meters made was Joy Neville just jogging back and forth from the TMO being at the little opposite end of the field to <laughs> get these get, get these uh, results. Yeah, it was you know very strange. Uh, anyway, so that um, try was scrubbed and. Um, it ended up with just before half time, Alev Kelter scoring a penalty kick, giving the halftime score of Kanda 12, USA 8. So, obviously, not as big a margin as last week. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's the Welsh in me, but anything that is um, fewer than seven points always has me a bit on edge. Fortunately, there was one person who could alleviate those concerns, and that was Paige Farris, able to score a try within one minute of the restart. And we had uh, to goody get that conversion because obviously it was under the post. I mean, if Sophie had missed that, that would have been major concern. Uh, then we had um, Alev Kelter getting another penalty for the USA, bringing their total to 11. And then um, just as Kando making progress towards the line, uh, Kelter gets called up for a high tackle, gets yellow carded. Uh, Degudi uh, takes the penalty, extends uh, Kando's lead further. Now we have a raft of substitutions coming up. So, uh, uh, as we said, like ta- last week, like Tyson Bokaboom, she had now the she went from joint third to third overall. Um, most caps for Canadian women's national team. And then uh, about 10 minutes later, we get the final try of the game, which is Alex Tessier scoring. Um, you know, 
there was a that try especially there was a lot of momentum going Canada's way but USA were just able to hold them back but Tessier was able to um, find an area that was unmarked get the ball down near the post so uh, Sophie Goody um, was able to get her final score of the game as well with a conversion before she was um, no sorry final conversion of the game she was able to get a penalty in like the 70th minute and then was substituted off um, you know, she had an incredible game as well, but uh, player of the match, Karen Paquin, was doing like doing the business absolutely fantastic. And you know, then we have like the final score Canada 32, USA 11. Mm-hmm. So even though the USA knew all of Canada's tricks from the week before, that this time around they pulled off an even bigger margin than they did when they were playing in like the group stage. And so that is it for, for Canada for the first time since 2014 are uh, in the World Cup semifinals. And because of the qualification process for uh, the 2025 World Cup that will be held in England, Canada have now automatically qualified for that. Yeah, like uh, this game, I thought this game was great. It's probably the best game Canada's played at the tournament, which is what you kind of want, right? Because, yeah. you know, peaking as the tournament goes on. Yeah, like you said, oh, Karen Paquin, uh, she kind of scored what to me is the try of the tournament. Like it's it's up there for sure. Um, it's definitely between her and Farris. Yeah, well, like, in, in, in this game, there, yeah, there were it, two tries two, of the yeah, tournament exactly. in the same Unreal match. tries in this game. But I think like with uh, Paquin, um, it's like it's not just her like rounding the ball or it's not just Allery's kick ahead or even Pat Ken's pass um, before the uh, like before the try, like to give the ball to Allery too. Like it's like all the, the phase work like building up to that, like the forwards care, like all the carries, you know, every forward getting to the ruck and support winning those rucks um, and, you know, Peltier moving the ball quickly out of it and then you know all of that just to set up the opportunity for um Paquin and Allery to have like the two-on-one kind of situation then obviously you have the perfect kick through and uh Paquin you know kind of just you know tucks her head down and uh win- wins a race uh for the ball and you know able to ground it and I think it's like yeah that's it's unreal um it's it's such a good try um, it, to me, it's the best try of the tournament, but it's it's more than just like the grounding or like the stylistic finish with the kick too. It's like all the build up and all like the phases that they like because I think they ran through like what like seven or eight phases, um, in order to just to set that up, and it was like perfect. Um, you know, Sophie De Goody had a couple um carries in the build up to that play. She had like she like uh, once again just leading the way, especially with the the ball carrying as well um she had another unreal game like you said it was like you know some of the kicks were a little bit easier than what she's had earlier in the tournament but like you know the the kicking game significant like it was uh you know the conversions are going over all the penalties were going over um and and yeah it was brilliant all the tries really brilliant well worked um the forwards did a great job the whole game obviously the super wet conditions it's funny because it's like the super wet conditions you'd think would maybe not allow for somebody for you know um like a fullback to think i'm gonna grubber this through um for for the flanker to like run onto or something but like it worked out really well right and uh 
you know, I think with the conditions going into the game, we thought that this would be a really forward heavy game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Kevin Rue did too with the absolutely wild 7 1 split on the bench. Oh, um, yeah, that was a yeah, that, that was a point of concern, especially <laughs> yeah. like. So that was the point of concern prior to the game. Yeah, then, well, then... Cal- so then Sarah Caljuvi getting uh, HIA in the seventh minute and Holly having to basically do the entire game. And yeah. but, so if any of the other backs um, had gotten injured, then we'd have another forward in the game. And, uh, asking yeah, exactly. And I mean, I know everyone said this. Like, and sent how fast their feet are. But, yeah, I uh, know. And I, and I know everyone said, like, you know, obviously, um, like, you know, players like Paquin and, you know, uh, Buisa and can all kind of play in the backs. Um, yeah. None of them did. They, yes. like, went with the, like, Kevin Rue went with the almost, like, almost, like, I mean, it's separated, but it's almost like the hockey style line change. Like the pack was completely different by the end of the game. Um, yeah. Fabiola Forteza, the only uh, forward to actually go all 80 minutes. Um, right. Whereas every back except Cal Juvie, who unfortunately had to leave with the injury, um, they all went there full 82. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when I first saw that, I was kind of like, that's kind of weird. I'm not sure I like that, but hey, it worked out. Um, that's probably why Kevin Rue coaches the team and I have a podcast um, that talks about the team. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair, but I think as well for just my heart rate, if he could do yeah. a 6 2 for the semi final, that's, that's, like that. that's, yeah. that's all I'm asking. Exactly. That's well, I mean, like I'm you asking. said, it's like he coaches the team. We talk about the team. One of yeah. those jobs requires a significantly higher amount of rugby knowledge, and um, it's yeah. not the one that we're doing. So, um, I mean, swings worked. and roundabouts. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it, so it worked out kind of wild. Um, but yeah, man, um, you know, going through it, um, I mean, like a lot of players I thought had had really great games too. And it was like, it is actually kind of cool to see like the full, full out, like almost like, I mean, whatever to borrow that South African term, like essentially the bomb squad coming out for the uh, yeah. the second half. Cause it's like, you know, as it got, as the game kind of went on, Canada, I think felt, Canada kind of appeared to me to be a little bit more in control as the game went on. Obviously, they had a really bad start. Um, mm-hmm. The USA pretty much dominated the first like eight minutes of the game. Um, but, until you know they scored and then the usa kind of score in that early try i think woke canada up a little bit um and you know they were able to basically take over that game by that 16 minute mark canada took the lead and then they uh, they never looked back so i mean i think you know over the course it's like obviously and it was a lot of the same things that we've been talking about that have that have been great for canada um the forwards were unreal um they had a major role in every single try um that that was scored and even even if the tries weren't you know like necessarily the classic like here's the driving mall and stuff but it was like like you said in the build up the pack ends try it was like eight phases flawlessly executed and then you kind of have a uh, um you know and then Alyssa Allery and Karen Packen combined to make like an unreal skill play at the end of that and you know so that worked out well um you know Tessier's try there's a lot of build up there too um and even i believe it was at paquin again that won the restart before fairy scored her try 
I believe it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that's another uh you know that's another play. It's like the hard work of the forwards creating opportunities for the backs, um, which is basically exactly how you want like your rugby game to go, right? Like yeah. um, especially in those in those conditions. And I think given what the conditions were and given what we saw in the England Australia game that happened just before, I don't think I was really expecting the backs to be kind of as involved as they were, but they did a great job just like waiting for the opportunities and finishing off those some of the tries um and even like the usa backs like i mean alev kelter um was the best player for usa clearly yeah um like you know she got the yellow card um right and that i think like that really hurt the usa um a lot in my opinion just because it was like yeah it took the best player you know it took took, the best player the the yellow card then gave a penalty the yellow card was a penalty, which was then three yeah. points. And then before she returned to the she field. She returned Tessier. So it was 10 points yeah. right off that yellow so, yeah. card without the best player, uh, without your team's best player basically on the field too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, that yeah, was pretty much the game yeah. at that point. Like once Kelter yeah. came back on, right? It was, that was almost yeah. there. And I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that it's like, again, um, you know, kind of what we talked about last week. It's like, you look at the tournament and it's like, Canada's, dominated this tournament at least it's through like their pool play yeah um, from the games they played there yeah hasn't really been an instance of no. sustained dread no I like and, and even at that like that's the thing like the start for this game not great but you know what but, but if you really break it down it's like uh kitlinski scores her try at the eighth minute you that game was all basically all usa up until that eighth minute Right. Yeah. At that eighth minute mark, maybe another for like two or three minutes of USA playing really well. And then it kind of slowly the momentum kind of starts to turn before uh, McKinley Hunt gets her try. Right. Yeah. And then once Hunt gets her try, the goody converts that it's seven five and Canada never looks back. Like it's all Canada for the remaining, you know, the remaining 64 minutes of that game is all Canada. Right. So it's like, oh, you know, maybe not th- not the best start, but at the end of the day, it's like you look at the 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 end result of this game is a 21 point win. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's you know what I mean? Like it's not like it was close. Like that's almost depending on how you do conversion wise, that's uh like a bonus point ahead of like between that. Depending on yeah. how you convert, I guess. Um but like so so I mean like yeah, it's it's good. Um and you know it's nice to see like they're they're building they're playing some of their best rugby a few injuries but they're dealing with it looking ahead to next week though we have at least in canada we have friday night against uh england yeah um, it, i don't know what, what are your thoughts on this how do you feel I, going into this one Stu? Is i, this I a, feel the well, obviously juggernaut that is england yeah, right obviously now? as you make your way through any world yeah. cup the Games are going to get harder. They're going to get more challenging. You're, yeah. you know, uh, Canada already has lost players due to injury. I have a feeling that because of such a short turnaround, uh, Cal Juvie won't be on the match day squad next week, um, just for HIA and concussion safety. Um, so that's another player down. Um, and England, you know, world number ones. I think this is game. 27 or 28 that they've gone unbeaten. 29. 29. Okay. 29 in a row. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like, 
pummeling teams too. Yeah, like these so, aren't like they're not like close games. Either. Yeah, the, the the only team that's put them close is France. Yeah, and that and that's understandable. Um, also, of the final four teams, um, Canada is the only one that isn't. Um, have like full time contracts yeah, for certain numbers of players. So Seem I to think be making a little bit of a kind of a big deal about that on the broadcast too. Yeah, yeah, uh, like, well, like subtly bringing it, or maybe not so subtly. Well, not so, not so subtly if it's in the script. But, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, but I, I think but like I the think, Goody mentioned it in her post match interviews too. Yeah, I think as well. Um, so you know, um, I what I want to say is. Canada putting in the work, you know, um, being valiant regardless of what happens. Because if you're going to fall to any team, falling to the world number ones is more than enough. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's a. You can still be content with how far you've gotten. Like, like as it's as I mentioned earlier, they've already qualified for the next World Cup, and that leaves yeah. more time for um, preparing for those games, more time for matches against other international opposition where available. Now I know that the Pacific Four series and the WXV begins in full swing next year, but obviously more opportunities for um, fundraising and. Uh, resource generation so that you can have players that are in the same situation as certain England, New Zealand or French players are where they are full-time contracts and they're not worrying about all these other things. Um, And of course, England, they've been um, the longest uh, international team that have played um, at the fully pro level. So, yeah, so there's obviously going to be two games regardless of the results. Yeah. And so far, France have been the only team that have put England close. So, yeah, I I w- would like a close game, um, you know, similar maybe to the England-France result, but you know, know, I think- with, ev- with everything that's been going on, it, it's really hard to see past England at this point. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you can't think past England and stuff too, but um, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's crazy. I think like this, it kind of feels like it's building toward like a little bit of like a David versus Goliath thing too. Yeah. Um. Right. And I mean, obviously in that famous story, uh, David's the one that wins. So that's, you know, positive, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But like, it, it, it does kind of feel that way because it's like, you know, it's, like realistically like going into this tournament it's like you know like this is like england's tournament to lose right like it was like i would imagine they were pretty disappointed with the fact that they didn't get 15 points from 15 in the pool stage so I feel like yeah I, like that's kind of gotta kind of eat away at the expectations a little bit right because but it's like they, they were going into the tournament they're clearly the best team in the world um they've been you know like you said, they're on a 29 game winning streak. Um, if they beat Canada, that's 30. If they're going to win the World Cup, they have to bring it to 31, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, no matter, like, whatever that next game that they lose, it's going to, like, it's a historic streak that's going to be coming to an end. Um, hopefully they don't make it to 30 from our point of view, but it's like, that's mm-hmm. going to be, yeah. um, it's going to be like a battle. And um, obviously, like, I think Canada, I think Canada's pack. Can hang with everybody, 
And I think that yeah. I can Canada's pack, the mall, the scrum that can hang with England. Um, England's also got a good, uh, really good pack, uh, too, obviously. But, um, I think, you know, the, the backs might have a really big impact on this, on this game, just based on like, you know, like you said, if you're working through some phases, it's like who's going to have like the center, the fullback, winger, whatever, um, that's going to be able to finish off a try after forwards, like can grind away and open up a gap or something. Right. Um, yeah. so I feel like, like that's kind of going to be a major factor in, uh, in this game too. And, you know, it's, it's wild. It's, it's kind of cool. Like as the tournament's gone on too, though, to see like, um, you know, some other like TSN kind of posting a few more, uh, like women's world cup kind of stuff on, on their social feeds or, yeah. um, you know, the, uh, uh, like CBC kind of getting a little bit more into it from like that sports talk kind of point of view. Um, mm-hmm. I saw like the, um, the gist, the, the Canadian like women's sports websites, like social, social media channels and stuff. Um, starting to see some posts, uh, popping up on their feeds as well too. Um, which is all really great to see. And hopefully, you know, um, it, it is kind of true, right? Like as much as, uh, you, everybody loves to see their sport grow and stuff. It's like winning, winning helps. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a it's a big uh, it's obviously a really big big game, and uh, you know, can't like it's a really big game. It's against the best team in the world on Friday night, and uh, like I mean, if you're going to win a World Cup, right? Like, I mean, what better way to do it than to go through England and uh, maybe New Zealand, France, New Zealand? I don't know. Who do you think? Of, what do you think of the other semifinal? France, yeah, France, New France, New Zealand. I think obviously home advantage is yeah, going to play yeah. very well. Um, you know, and uh, well, the issue is that the last time France and New Zealand played each other, France won, but yeah. New Zealand, for a lack of a better term, were a completely different team. Uh, France yeah. had obviously spent a few months um, in a pro- uh, more professional environment. New Zealand, the Black Ferns have been on a, I think their loss to France was the fourth match in a row that they had uh, lost. Then, uh, obviously, the uh, women's equivalent of Super Rugby um, began in New Zealand, and that gave a lot of the players more um, time in professional environments to train and to prepare. And then we had the Pacific Four Series, which was also held in New Zealand, which they steamrolled everyone in their way. If we're talking in terms of like history, it looks like France may have... Uh, the edge in the most recent encounter, but obviously I think mm-hmm. New Zealand, they want to put on a show for yeah. their home support. And obviously it's at Eden Park as well. So I think it's yeah, going to be, gonna be super a cool. big crowd. It's going to be surreal. Yeah, it's going to be, gonna be cool. Great. Um, yeah, I know. Like, I, I think it's been fun, man. It's been great. I'm like each round. I think the games have been getting better as the tournament got, uh, has gone on. And I think like, yeah. it, I like, you know, if it feels kind of fitting that this seems to actually be coming down to the four best teams in the world. Yeah. Um, right. And it's, it, it, it does, it does make sense. That it yeah, should. exactly. It's like, you know, obviously like upsets and things are really cool to see and stuff, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the four best teams in the world um, about to, you know, battle for a spot in the world cup final. Um, and like, no matter what happens, can be an exciting finish to the tournament. And, yeah, you know, we should, forward, we should probably but... talk about um, some of the results as well. So, um, France beat Italy. Uh, final score: France thirty nine, Italy three. Something I forgot to mention last week: 
this is the first time any Italian team has made a World Cup uh, quarterfinal, men's or women's. So congratulations to the Azuri for that. Um, next up was New Zealand-Wales. Again, uh, New Zealand dominant, uh, only letting Wales get one instance of scoring. Final result, New Zealand 55, Wales 3. And then England versus Australia in the typical uh, northern-southern Antipodean rivalry. Final score, England 41 Australia five. So the USA were the only uh, losing team to get into double digits yeah. this well, entire I mean, like, weekend. Considering the weather for that England Australia game, like yeah. that felt more like eighty five to three. Yeah, than what the scoreboard actually reflects. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. that was some tough so, conditions they played. So we have the next match, as we said, the semifinals, which will be against England. That will be on Friday, November the 4th at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure you have a cup of joe just before you uh, <laughs> get settled down on the Friday night and uh, avoid the club. We're going to watch the rugby instead. Unless the club has the rugby game on. I mean, I'd, I'd go to that club. If I, I was going to say, like, that would be a fun time. Yeah, that we yeah. we should we should organize that. We need a yeah. LaRouge rugby uh, clubbing night. Yeah, uh, you can organize that. I'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we stick to the Southern Hemisphere, but we move back to the Americas as we have the final round of the Americas Rugby Trophy. So Chile had already won. This game is just for pride at this point, and it was between the host Brazil fifteen versus Canada fifteen, and. You know, obviously, there's been a lot of development coming along in the Southern Hemisphere nations. I mean, just look at Chile and Uruguay and how far they've come along in the past few years. Uh, Brazil, not as much. So the final result from this game was Brazil 14, Canada 31. We had tries by uh, Bowen, Coates, Povey, Brody, and Vicilani, and Bowen got two tries. Uh and but Bowen only got one try. He got Bowen only got one try. What? Ah, all the every single thing that I'm using to confirm my facts is lying to me. This is why you can't trust print media. And so yeah, Bowen, Coates, Povey, Brody, and Vicolani. Coates kicking three of the five conversions. As I said, there was nothing really in it at this point. It was mainly just for pride. Um, there were a few technical issues with the stream at the start and i was unable to get it back working again uh, derek did you have more success than i did yeah i mean i i think uh for most people it seemed like the stream kicked on around the 30th minute uh i think um so that kind of a couple different links a couple different facebook pages it is actually kind of um you know it is actually kind of funny like you know, uh, online or whatever, like if you're on like Twitter and stuff, it's kind of funny to see like the Canadian rugby community come together to try to find a way to watch this game collectively on a yeah. Wednesday night. Um, so that was good, including like, you know, some former player or uh, not some former players, but um, including some players that, you know, are overseas as well, mm-hmm. kind of chiming in on uh, looking, helping people find streams and uh, making sure links work and uh, getting around geo blocks and things like that. Um, so I thought that was uh that was, so that's kind of in a weird way kind of fun. I mean, obviously, I think everybody would prefer to be able to just watch all eighty minutes, but um, kind of fun to see the uh, rugby community sort of come together to find a way to watch this game collectively. 
Um, the game itself, like from what we got to watch, man, like I think this was uh this was a lot of fun. Um, we talked about last week, um, how excited we were for the actual lineup once we saw the lineup. Um, obviously mm-hmm. a lot of really young players in this game, guys that have no caps, guys that have under three caps. Um, you know, so it's um uh, so it was like really exciting to see them kind of come out and put in a really good performance against Brazil, um, get to end the tour on a winning note as well. Um, you know, kind of going, going through the game too, obviously, um, it's, it's really nice too. like, just even the way, like some of the guys like scored these tries and stuff, right? Like, um, like I said, I think the stream kind of kicked on after Povey's try. I think it was just after Povey's try. Um, uh, but it was like. You know, uh, you see like a guy like De- uh, Deshaun Bowen scoring a try in, a, you know, right uh, for, for Rugby Can. I thought he played a really solid game on the wing um, from what I saw in the second half, too. Like he made some like really nice tackles out on the wing. Um, Brazil kind of had a really difficult time um, running through um, his side of the wing, too. I thought on the opposite wing as well, Josiah Mora, who had a try last week. Um, I thought Mora was doing a doing a great job, like the whole game, like a part of. You know, part of um one of the things I know we've kind of criticized the Rugby Canada sort of like attack with in the past is like too much kicking. Um, but it is also one of those things where we said it's like if you kick properly, like it can work. And, uh, you know, as they say, like kicks only as good as the chase. And I thought like in a lot of cases in this game, whenever when Higgins or uh, Brody would put up a box kick or whatever, like Mora did a great job chasing uh, chasing it down and, uh, you know, making making sure he got to the, the you know, the Brazilian player with, um, you know, not leaving that player like much space to do anything, making good tackles um, and, you know, just uh, being able to, uh, you know, maximize any the, the territory that we're gaining and give Canada the best shot at getting the ball back off a lot of those kicks, um, which in this game was an effective tactic that they used. Right. Um, so I did enjoy seeing that. Uh, you know, there was a, a few, it was nice to see like a few, um, you know, the younger players kind of get, getting some, uh, getting some nice moments through throughout the game. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, obviously, you know, Gabe Casey arrows draft pick. I think like, he looked like he's uh, going to be a pretty exciting player. Right. So, I mean, that's fun yeah. fun to watch too. And I mean, like it, he was in the centers and he got replaced by uh um, Talon McMullen and then Alex Russell got replaced by Dakota McMullen, which is kind of fun to just watch twins kind of do twin things i mean if um i know hockey fans obviously remember daniel and henrik sedin kind of playing uh you know out out in vancouver and uh they got they got some weird it's a weird skill set to kind of watch when uh every they seem to kind of know where everybody is at this or where each other is at all times um so it's, uh, i think that's a lot of fun i will say something is that um so obviously a few people had a few comments about the uh streaming issues yeah. And we've been he- hearing these rumors about um, Superliga Americana de Rugby or SLAR expanding to include North American teams, one of which is based in Canada. Um, so, you know, people aren't really uh, convinced by the uh, streaming capabilities at the moment and hoping yeah. that something can come soon. Now, uh, previously we had mentioned that um, Sudamerica Rugby was going to make an announcement on the 27th of October. And you may be wondering, well, guys, why haven't you been talking about that? And that's a very good question. Um, they haven't released anything yet. They have released a tweet on the 28th of October. Um, 
just saying that something bigger or mass, so mo- something more yeah. is coming oh. soon. Yeah. So if you're still wondering if the Pacific Pride or American Raptors are going to be taking part in um, SLAR or whatever it changes its name to, um, we'll let you know when we do, because <laughs> uh, that seems to be an ongoing uh, mystery. But uh, obviously, yeah. um, Brazil, uh, the Cobras, uh, make up the team for the development of the Brazilian players. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously they've had like a few issues because they've had like name change and the structural changes as well. But it'll be interesting to see if that development actually um, comes through. Obviously, yeah. um, Pacific Pride has been doing a lot of the shift for um, Canadian development. That's not to exclude the um, college system. Obviously, um, UBC has been doing a lot of work as a lot of players Um yeah, played on Wednesday, flew back to UBC, and then played again on Saturday. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is wild. Uh, that was, um, yeah, Isaac Kelly and uh, Talon and Dakota McMullen all played for UBC yeah. on Saturday after yeah. playing an international game and then flying home from Brazil, I guess. Um, yeah. That's actually another player um, that I think um, I thought played really well. I thought Isaac Kelly, um, he came on in the second half. Um, I thought I thought he did really well um there was a lot of uh he did a good job getting off the uh getting off the gain line had some a couple big hits um behind the gain line too um did well in the line out looks like he's uh you know a bit of a force in like the line out mall um had some great um great defense he kind of combined with mm-hmm. keys and prior to uh mm-hmm. prior also played really well too um yeah. to kind of make like you know a nice little like mall def- a defensive mall stop um that works that worked out well and i mean i think uh i think it seems like there's a there's reason to be excited about some of these guys. Like I think like Kelly kind of like he one he looks massive like he's huge. Yeah, um, he kind of looks like he could be like one of those like I guess like Jamie Cudmore, Estebeth, Etoje type like intimidating lock kind of guys if he um, yeah you know, brings that kind of like play style and energy right. So it's um I'm like I mean I'm I'm you know excited to see what a lot of these guys do. Uh, um, same too. Like, I mean, I think uh, there are more and Bowen. I think immediately like left Brazil and went straight to Hong Kong too. So, um, it's I, it'll be. I guess um, like so. Well, I, mean, I guess yeah. A lot. Yeah. Of, I think it's like a few of the sevens players that sevens had players, come over yeah. for the fifteens have now gone to Hong Kong. Yeah, in preparation. Which I mean, I think will be interesting. It's like I, I haven't taken a look at the uh, the sevens schedule or whatever. I wonder like how many of those guys will be available for. Um, the game against uh, the Netherlands and Namibia. I don't think they've announced the. They haven't announced that squad full, yet. They, no. they haven't. They haven't announced their match day squad, but they have announced the sevens players that will be taking part. In yeah, the yeah, they've got the sevens player. Yeah, the sevens players, but yeah, they haven't announced the squad for the fifteens going for uh, the test matches over there. No, that um, is so. That is something else uh, to mention is that the next games that the fifteens will be playing, which will be the full senior squad. Will yeah. be against the Netherlands on November the twelfth, and against Namibia again in the Netherlands on November the nineteenth. So we've got they've got a couple of weeks to get their um, get their house into it, order, get a squad going. I'm pretty sure that um, probably by the time this uh, episode comes out, they'll announce the touring squad for um those european games um yeah and yeah and and this weekend is the first round of the 
uh, World 7 series taking place in Hong Kong from the 4th to the 6th of November. Yeah, and I mean, I hope, like, when we'll see we'll see what that roster looks like. I mean, it's a full test match, so I'd imagine there's going to be maybe a few more um, veterans or face, guys that we're used to seeing on, on the squad heading over there. Um, but, like, I really hope, like, we see, like, a lot of guys um, like Kelly or, um, you know, Rutten or Mc, the McMullins or, you know, just like any um like prior murray like guys like that i hope i hope the kingsley jones integrates some of those guys into the full proper like test match squad um yeah. obviously too i think i think more and bowen um show that they could they can definitely hang at test level um i think we kind of saw that through these games so it's like if they're not playing sevens i'd like to see them here um but i don't I, like i I haven't looked at the schedule yet, so I'm not sure if with that uh the, if that conflicts or not. It might. Um, if it doesn't, I would like to see them. If um, but if yeah. not, you know, then I mean, I'd like to see them playing sevens. Um, but yeah, like I, I hope uh, Klim Chuck's another guy too. Like I think I would love to see the, these players get integrated into the uh, the test squad as yeah. well. Um, maybe not to the extent that the squad was against Brazil here, but um, you know. It was nice, like, uh, I think looking to, like, it's a nice look to the future. I think um, another really fun element of watching this game was all the Canadian players that weren't playing, that were sitting maybe too close to that microphone um, or whatever <laughs> was recording, well, you know. Um, well, right? that, that's why it was on the Facebook feed and not on a uh, public broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but I think like the fun thing is, is like you can clearly hear the Canadian players um, that were, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure um, you could like rec- certainly recognize some of the voices too. Um, but I mean, like I think one of those things that was like it was really fun listening to those guys, and you know, like they're like a lot of say some of the more veteran guys that weren't in the lineup for this game. Um, but it was really fun listening to those guys just cheer for basically every like positive play that happened in the in the game. Um, and you know, it's, it's really fun to like, uh, like, you know, you kind of get some of the, the unfiltered thoughts, um, you know, not being like interviewed in a, like in the media or in front of a microphone, they don't necessarily have the media mind turn on, but it's fun to get some of those like unfiltered thoughts. Cause it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's been, it's been a bit of a tough go for uh, the men's national team the last year or two. And in all honesty, it's just really fun to hear the passion that all these guys still have for the jersey and for the program kind of yeah. coming out in a little bit of an unfiltered way. And I think the combination of hearing like that passion and then looking at some of the uh, the young guys putting in some pretty solid performances. And I think, you know, like overall, it's probably like this game is probably the most fun I've had watching the men's national team in a little bit. And um, also like probably the, you know, something to, actually like a thing that actually makes me like excited for like the future of this team too. um combination of like a set combination of the the actual on-field performances and just kind of you know the the passion that all these players clearly um despite some of the difficult times that the program's going through the passion that they yeah. all still clearly have for for the jersey and for the, yeah. the squad too yeah i think that's always good to hear But we leave South America, returning to North America and MLR News. First up, the Toronto Arrows have announced some re-signings and the signing. So first of all, uh, Scrum Half Extraordinaire Ross Brody has re-signed for the Arrows for 2023. Always good to see him on the pitch in Arrows Colors. 
And a new signing, a new international signing, and that is Noel Reed, who plays both fly half and centre, has signed for Toronto from London Irish. Reed has a decorated career so far, including Leinster, where he played in the senior squad from 2011 um, and spent eight years with them. He has also played for Leicester Tigers, as well as playing with Asian in the French top 14, or I think it was top 14 then. They're now in the D2. So, um, yeah, bouncing when it was necessary. Um, you know, he's best known as inside centre, but he was a fly half um, for Leicester in the Premiership. So um, he is unfortunately capped by Ireland. He had his only uh, test cap for them against Argentina in 2014. And, you know, if your position well, is a fly half... Well, I'd say it's unfortunate because if you're a fly half and you're competing with Johnny Sexton, I don't think it's ever really going to turn out well yeah, in your favor. He got his cap. Like, that's one of the coolest things you can do. I don't. Like... But also, unfortunately, for the Arrows and MLR perspective, he is, mm. because he is internationally capped, he cannot be, he cannot, he can't find that uh, Canadian passport from a grandparent anywhere in the attic. And unfortunately, we will be one of the few, um, I think, Toronto uh, Arrows only have eight international player slots, so he's either um, playing in the game or he's uh, not the squad, unfortunately. And in um, the America's Rugby News press release about this, uh, you know, they said the Arrows set to utilize Reeves in the midfield alongside uh, Nick Ben, and saying last season's first choice pairing of Spencer Jones and Weta Tafuga have both moved on. Now, on Instagram, Weta Tafuga did say that all good things come to an end and he's grateful for the opportunity for play for the arrows. I haven't heard anything about Spencer Jones, so not entirely sure about that. I mean, it is going to be pretty uh, disappointing if uh, Spencer has moved on. Ideally, want to keep him in the Northern Hemisphere, have him available for the national jersey. But uh, yeah, it's a yeah. disappointing uh, revelation to find in the... Uh, yeah, I mean, America's Rugby News is uh, obviously a really uh, you know pretty trustworthy source, man. So I feel like uh, I feel I feel like I, I'm going to believe it. Um, so yeah, that it's unfortunate uh, if Jones and Tafugger are both gone. But I mean, obviously, you know, a replacement pairing of uh, you know um, of uh, Ben and Reed um, seems pretty solid right now too. Obviously, too, it's nice to get a bring in a guy like you said. I mean, he's got the one cap um, for Ireland, but also you know plenty of experience um, with uh, some of the biggest clubs in Europe too, right? And uh, you know, it's been you know you know decade long pro, and uh, that's always a good thing to kind of bring into uh, into the locker room as well. So yeah. um, that's a solid signing, and then you know happy to have Brody back as well, right? Like yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, probably the best the best scrum half in Canada right now. So it's uh, good to see him sticking around. Yeah. Uh, Let's hope the uh, scrum half curse has been lifted from last year. And we're not. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they'll be fine. Replacing them every two weeks. Uh, so onto the bigger MLR news. So unlike um, what other teams are doing, which is uh, gradually announcing um, the players that have signed and re-signed, Seattle went on a different trajectory, and they announced their 23 core player pod for the 2023 season. Now, as we said, 23 names listed, 
but there's only two that we're really interested in, and that is Nakai Penny and Reed Watkins. They have both been named in that pod. And I think what Seattle should do now is continue announcing uh, more Canadians that they <laughs> if they want to. Because I, th- I feel when you look back at their other MLR Championship final appearances, the ones they won had a lot of Canadians in the squad. So I think that's what um, Clark yeah, needs to realise in his coaching decision is, um, first of all, is this player Canadian? Then I'll have them. Yeah. D- did New York have more Canadians in the lineup for that game? Uh, Cole and Nawadi were both playing. Cole and Nawadi. So, but yeah, then it's, right. e- it's it's evenly matched, and because uh, Seattle yeah. didn't have more, then they lost. So. <laughs> then they lost. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, you know, obviously, kind of interesting. Um, you know, it's a a little bit better. I mean, I think like um for like the MLR, like most of our off season content in MLR is you know video highlights um from you know big plays throughout the season, uh, player signings. Um, right. So it's like, like, I'm not, I'm not like, I, 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 in all honesty, I think I like the idea of just teams dropping like all the players that they've re-signed. Um, right. Just cause people, we don't necessarily know all the contract lengths and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it is, you know, it's nice to just the re-sign. It's like the, the truly exciting signings are the new players and stuff that come through. Um, right. Or, you know, if you knew a guy's contract was up, then if he resigns is obviously a big deal as well. Um, I, the only thing like that, my only thing is like, you know, for, if you're going to drop all 23 players, it's like, does that like the other teams are obviously kind of using that as a lot or the majority of like their content for the off season. Right. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. a player signing or two, like every week. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily, I don't know if it's. What I don't really know if uh which one I kind of like better. It's interesting to see a team taking a different approach. Um, everything is better than New York. Um, yeah, you know, I know you guys are the champs, but uh, announce some announce a player. Um, well, who they need to announce is uh, who's going to be their new head coach because one team has announced their new head coach as of today, and that is Old Glory DC. They have signed Josh Sims who is currently the Hawks Bay head coach in New Zealand. So he is joining uh, MLR, you know, another Kiwi coach for an MLR team. Always good to see. And now we come to the big news of the week. And that is that the big Austin, news that dropped on Tuesday after we recorded. As is tradition. <laughs> All right. And that is that um, the two Gill teams, uh, the Austin Gill Gronies and the LA Giltinis, will not compete in MLR 2023. You know, this is, it's been rumored for a while. It's been um, talked about in the wings, and there's been a lot of effort to get new buyers for these teams because of the uncertainty surrounding Austin and LA's team ownership. You know, there was talks of um, Austin being sold. There have been um, F45's uh, financial evaluation has, I think, halved over the past year. And MLR did release a statement saying, while we understand that this news is disappointing for the fans, players, and stakeholders of these two teams, this decision was made after much deliberation and counsel and with the best interests of the league in mind. Our league is invested in long-term success. 
it is vital for us to give our teams and their loyal fan bases the best chance of succeeding both on and off the field in 2023. This means that it will be a 12-team structure um, going on, uh, 16 games over 18 weeks, and then the playoffs, there will be an Eastern and Western Conference. And they said for 2023, Fox will broadcast 18 matches on FS1 and FS2 and will air the championship final on Fox Sports. And in conjunction with that, uh, League will offer all Austin and LA players the opportunity to continue playing in MLR by holding a dispersal draft in the coming weeks. So, Derek, you and I, we have been appointed head coaches of this hypothetical 12th team, which may or may not be in Chicago. <laughs> and we have been given a rafter of players available that played for Austin or LA the following, the previous season. So we have a few players that aren't available. Um, Isaac Ross has gone to play in Japan. Uh, Jamie McIntosh has retired, as has Angus Cottrell and Adam Ash. Um, Cam Dodson went to play for Wasp, so I don't know if he's actually available, but I'm going to say he's not. Um, Harrison Goddard, he's on the Wasps. Yeah, that's what. That's why I'm like, I'm not entirely sure, but let's say for the sake of argument that he's staying in England. Um, Harrison Goddard is is the uh, New South Wales for the Super Rugby season, so he's unavailable, and Marcel Brosh and Luke Burton were both traded prior to this announcement. So we have 15 players that mm. we want to pick. Let's start with the front row, the props and the hooker. Derek, who have you chosen? I went with an all-LA one. Justice Sears-Duru, uh, Joe Toafetti, and Charlie Abel. Well, I am sticking with the Canadian... I obviously want to see as many Canadians as possible playing in MLR for the <laughs> foreseeable future. Yeah. So I have, so I kept, uh, so Sears Duru is still on my squad, but I also have Stevens and Leilu Ali Markin because he is technically Canadian eligible. Now I'm looking at the list we have for the locks, and I see we both uh, picked the same guys. And number four, Corey Thomas, and at number five, Dave Dennis. Now, I I know we both picked Dennis, but I'm not entirely sure if he will be sticking around in MLR following. I mean, the realistically, who knows, I mean, who knows if any of these guys? Are yeah, so realistic. we're saying that all the all these players have taken the opportunity to go for it. So I think I was just saying let's let's go through the teams and then I have let's go through our teams and I have some thoughts on the teams and then the whole dispersal draft and yeah. LA Austin situation we can fire off after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for my back row, I have Haupikui, uh, I have Gurmachais, and I have Ronan Murphy as well, which I think is pretty solid. I mean, uh, as long as Gurm- Hanko Gurmachais is listed in the mm. squad, I'm sure that he wants to continue being selected for the Eagles. So you got to have him playing yeah. in MLR for that. And so I have him as uh, my number seven. Yeah, I went with uh, Christian Padoivin, uh Hanko. And uh, Lockie McCaffrey, who was the um, first team all MLR eight man last year, which there's a few of those guys that are you know on the uh, on the squad. All right, so who have you gotten for the halfback? So scrum half and fly half. 
Yeah, I went all Austin for this one. Um, Lorenz and Mason. I realize I've gone um, Austin as well, but I can sneak opposite of the opposite Austin guys. Yeah, but that's just because. So I have at number nine Christian Alvarez because he was traded to Austin prior to this announcement that Austin. Yeah, that's so he's technically an Austin player. Yeah, I was saying that. (laughs) Sucks. Yeah, also sucks for Alvarez. Yeah, that sucks. All, that's not fun. Yeah, no, that stinks. Maybe interesting to see if um, he actually gets picked up again by Nola as a result of all this, who would have just come out on top in all circumstances. Um, but for number 10, I have gone with Will Maggie. So let's talk about centers and wingers. So I'm going to start with. Um, Winger, and it should be no surprise to me who I'm picking <laughs> on my wing. It's of course uh, Ryan James, Your favorite player. Yeah, favorite favorite American player. Get it right. Favorite um, player. I'm pretty sure he's your favorite player, no matter where he's born. Uh, all right. Um, for my center pairing, I have Bryce Campbell, and I couldn't I couldn't pick anyone else but Ben Lesage in the 13 yeah. jersey. And then at 14, I have um, Austin's only remaining Canadian. Eligible player is Nick Taylor. Uh just say your fullback too. Just, uh, and yeah, yeah, I'll just finish off with fullback. You know, he's a sevens player. Uh, well, he was a sevens player. He's now announced his retirement from sevens. Uh, former England captain, Olympic silver medalist. It's got to be Tom Mitchell from LA. Yeah, uh, I went with uh, Dominguez, Julian uh, Dominguez, who's obviously you know who's unreal for Austin last year. Um, Billy Meeks, who won back of the year and somehow slipped past your team. Um, and then I also went with Marco Keefe, who also popped up as the other center on the All MLR team. Um, Connor Mooneyham, the uh, you know Connor Mooneyham, who is going to be has to be the first player in MLR history in any sports history to be drafted three times at this point. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's uh, I'm assuming he goes through the dispersal draft, and I uh, went with Chris Matna at uh, Matina at fullback. Um, so yeah, that kind of rounds it up. Now I think though, um, with both the squads here, um, we didn't really duplicate a lot. Of no, games. we duplicated some. The point being, if the league is doing a dispersal draft. There are some players available, mm-hmm. um, depending on how that works, depending on what we actually know and find out. Now, going back to this, um, I would say, like, going back to this this whole situation here, um, obviously, it sucks. Yeah. Right? Like, there's, it's not a good situation. Um, that I'm not, I'm not... I'm not saying that I think the MLR is doing necessarily like a terrible job of handling it, but it's like the situation does suck. Like you don't want this to happen. No, Um, I think, however, it's like, I think ultimately and why I'm like the most intriguing part of that announcement to be was the dispersal draft. Right. Um, You know, it's fascinating. Like one, um, I think a 12 team league works better than a 13 team league or would work better than an 11 team league. Um, So, my biggest concern, I mean, it, it looks like everyone's thinking that this is going to be Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. My biggest concern is like, is four months enough runway to get an expansion team off the ground, right? Um, is that enough run, yeah. runway to do it? Um, I, I'm curious to see like how the dispersal draft would work, what the rules are around the dispersal draft. Um, but uh, actually, I'm going to circle back for a second. 
Um, right. Obviously, the situation sucks. Um, I feel really bad for the Austin fans, the LA fans. Um, I feel bad for the players, um, the coaches, the staff, um, anybody that's now out of a job because Austin and LA no longer have a team. Um, and, and, you know, the, the reality is too, like in any sport, you never want to see franchises fold. Um, there are people that are like really passionate fans and stuff, and that's a big part yeah. of their lives. And, you know, when, if teams are going to go like that, that's, that stinks. Right. The, the reality right now is that we still don't really know a whole lot of information about what really happened here. Um, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, the, what the salary cap violation was or whatever else Gilchrist did. Um, Right. Um, obviously we got some info just on the base off basis of like the current state of F45 as a business. Um, the whole, so, I mean, I think the whole thing from that point of view, like it all, it all does kind of suck. Um, you know, I trust that the MLR is kind of doing what they feel is best for the league right now. And I hope that that, you know, I hope that in, you know, five, 10 years, we can look back on it and be like, yeah, they all made the right call um, in this situation. Um, but it does immediately suck. Um, the thing, though, that I find kind of what I find fascinating, though, is this idea of the dispersal draft. Um, and, you know, I talked about earlier in this pod, right, how it's like the vast majority of the MLR's offseason content, right, is player signings and um you know video highlights and things like that maybe some like academy stuff that's the vast majority of it right um and i think you know if you're gonna be able to turn a positive turn some positives into a negative and the reality is as much as this does suck it's like almost every major professional sports league that has existed since you know the 1900s when pro sports leagues were really starting to fire up all the way up until now, including the MLS, the league that MLR is always compared to for some reason. Um, right. It's like all those leagues have a bit of instability, teams coming, teams going, teams folding, teams relocating. All those yeah. leagues had that in the early days. This is not super weird, right? Yeah. As much as it's not fun, it's not super weird. Yeah. But that being said, it's like the there is nothing. I want more than to watch the dispersal draft right now. Yeah. Um, there, like, you know what I mean? And it's like, I think like that, I hope the MLR does something with this because yeah. it's like the actual, we just ran through these, these starting 15s that we decided yeah. to be like, who are the best, which is essentially us just being like in the theoretical idea of an expansion draft, who are the best players that are available? Yeah. Right. Assuming, and for the sake of this discussion, for the sake of this discussion, assuming everyone is available or wants to continue playing in MLR or whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to read minds and be psychic and figure out what each Mm -hmm. player wants to do right now. Um, So assuming that the rosters are all available, right. This is absolutely fascinating. And should be fascinating to all MLR fans that there's going to be a dispersal draft. Because the reality is, is that they got disqualified from the playoffs. Yeah. They were the two best teams in the Western Conference last year. They were yeah. arguably the two best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Right. And LA obviously uh was the champs two years ago or yeah. 2021. Right. Um, 
so it's like when you look at these rosters, the players that we just named, like I mean, you can even go off like you know, Ben Lesage, obviously a really big name, probably one of the biggest best domestic players in, in the league, right? Um, but even we said like Billy Meeks, O'Keefe, uh, McCaffrey, they were all first team all MLR, right? Uh Lorenz, I think was like third team or something like that. Right. So you have some of these players. You have guys like Sears Duru, Thomas, um, Hermesize, uh, Talfete, right? All guys that are internationals. They're Eagles, they're Canadian internationals, right? Um, you have like these rosters are loaded. Yeah. Right. And it's like who like put all the other 12 GMs in a room and film this. Cause yeah. th- like this is like wild. Like if you're like right now, if you like, I don't know how the uh, dispersal draft's going to work. They've released no details on how this is actually going to work. Um, no. But like, for the sake of argument, though, like if you're looking at this, if you're a fan of any team that missed the playoffs, right? Like, I don't know how you look at, don't look at these two rosters and be like, who can we get? Yeah, right. Like, how is like, what are the rules going to be? How is like, I, and I really, I really hope they do because it's like. Like quite frankly, there's like franchise changing players available. Yeah. Like especially like if if they did for argument's sake, did it in the same draft order. Like, could you like can the Dallas Jackals just be like Billy Meeks on our team now? Right. Cause that that changes the that changes their entire yeah. right. If you yeah. do this, if you go two, three rounds deep of picking just players off of like if you disperse this like evenly or whatever, and you just did everybody gets like three, two, I don't know, two rounds, two, three rounds of just picking through both of these teams rosters yeah. or whatever like who who can like some of the teams like Dallas or Old Glory that finished at the bottom of the standings like who could they end yeah. up with yeah. right? that can change the fortunes of like that's something that i think fans like man like that could be really exciting to actually like yeah. watch play out yeah i, I think um, it'd be int- i would love to, be interesting i would love to, to see it. i don't know if the mlr is going to do it but i would love I to have, watch it play I, out. i'm going to go out on a limb and say they probably won't show it to us but uh I, I, yes, so a dispersal draft so a dispersal draft has happened in the past yeah and, and they didn't was, do anything for it they didn't do anything for they that anything, but they also had certain conditions as well so they said that um so this is when dallas were decided to delay there no um, it was uh it was when colorado dropped out i think they had two actually so okay so they must have had it twice then because they had a dispersal draft for colorado as well as i don't think they did a draft for dallas i think the dallas players just ended up signing elsewhere i don't really think they Uh, either way in in one of those conditions it was a case of that Players in that draft, whether that was for Dallas or Colorado, did not count towards the salary cap and did not yeah. count towards uh, the international player <laughs> allocation. So you had players who were in the United States, but not necessarily um, available for the Eagles. And then you suddenly have this international experience on your bench or in your squad, and also their salary doesn't count towards the salary. I was going to say, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be uh, the, the peak of irony, though, to have to basically this whole thing started with a, because of a salary cap violation, only to make all the players on LA and Austin exempt from the salary cap? Wouldn't that that yeah. wouldn't that just be peak Yeah, the irony, the irony if, is if not that lost bro? on me, but, <laughs> but as you said, um, 
So there is a 12 team. And this is something as well. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, we have no idea what they're going to do. We have no idea where the team's going to be. It is only heavily rumored that the team is going to be in Chicago. We don't have like any names of what the team's going to be. Um, but you know, something I would probably mention is that any player that is a a local player for either Austin or LA or on a uh, part-time contract uh, or a local contract only for like training purposes and, you know, crowd support and things like that um, probably isn't going to be on the draft. They're probably just going to stay in their cities. Um, Certain names, like I know where like we mentioned like Dave Dennis as well, you know, he has um, history with the Exeter, Exeter Chiefs. Probably not going to be what DTH van der Merwe, um, you know, has spent the last year injured and Matt Giddow, too. Matt, yeah, well, Matt Giddow said that 2022 would be his last season and then he was too injured to play any of it. So, yeah, I don't well, think he'll I think be that's the thing, sticking right? around like, either. I mean, ultimately, like I said, I mean, for like the purposes of what, like, of our kind of like chat here, it's like. We don't know what the rules for the dispersal draft will be, so it's just, it's kind of fun to speculate and stuff. But I, like you said, though, I'm sure like some guys might decide to retire. There might be some guys that decide to go to a different league. Um, there might be some guys that are, you know, like you said, have jobs um, outside of rugby that maybe want to stick around. But then maybe there's some guys that have jobs outside of rugby that are like, all right, like, uh, like you know, if you played for LA, maybe you're like, well, you know, send me to San Diego. So I can still work, or if you're playing for Dallas, or if you're playing for uh, Austin, Austin, it's like maybe, maybe you, maybe you only want to go to Houston or Dallas because that, yeah, keep your whatever you got going on outside of rugby yeah. around and, and up. And you yeah. know, maybe, maybe there's some guys that just straight up like you know don't want to go because I mean we know like uh, we know that that happens in the league right where it's like guys have yeah. a little bit of a say of where they end up through these processes and stuff right so yeah, um, it's. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I think, you know, um, I think at the at the end of the day, like it's obviously it's a I think it's a difficult situation that you obviously don't want to see happen. Um, I mean, I get that like a lot of fans are mad, and um, you know, we still don't really know full details and stuff. The MLR and the people involved are be keeping like a really tight lip on things. Yeah, and to be honest, it's almost at the point of actually flat out impressive that nothing has really leaked about this. Yeah, um, it ge- like genuinely and actually impressive feat, really, to mm. keep everything all like locked down as long as they have. To the point where even with the press release that they did make, didn't really offer up more information than what we already knew. Like it was yeah. a salary cap violation initially, and then. Both the teams, you know, kind of uh, one of the teams, a bit of collateral on the first team. Um, But like uh, we still don't necessarily really know what's going on inside these uh, the board meetings and stuff. But um, I don't know. I just kind of I guess trust that, uh, you know, hopefully I'm sure like as time moves on, we'll get we'll get a little bit of a better picture of uh, how right this decision was. I mean, I think now, though, it's like. The um to me, I'm just like the expansion team announcement has to come soon. Like it's November, yeah. right? Like this, it's um, you know, we're we're recording this on Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Um, but like, you know, it's it's November now, right? So, um, like you know, November, December, January season starts in February, right? Yeah. So it's like if you're gonna have the 12th team, like it's you got to introduce them soon. 
uh, name, logo, who the coach GM is going to be, a couple players, um, right? Like that, that all has to kind of start happening now, um, right? Like, I mean, earlier in the podcast, we're kind of like chirping New York a little bit for not signing anybody. And we're now finding out that there's a team that we don't even know where or who they are or what their logo is or team name or anything. So, yeah, um, like that's something that's probably got to happen soon. And then um, I would love personally just inform at the very least if even if we can't watch just information on the on the yeah. dispersal draft and i mean like i know like i think the last time it's like the last time it happened it was just like oh guys on the raptors just started signing or being announced that's yeah. and you kind of figured out what happens but man like i like i don't know maybe, like i just can't help but think like mlr fans would like eat this like put this on the rugby network it'd be like yeah. the most watched thing all off season it's yeah. the biggest story it- of the off season if you do it, it is. And with these so, rosters, unreal. Yeah. Something I just want to say to the fans of Los Angeles and Austin is that, yes, unfortunately, your teams will not be competing next year. But from everything that's been going on, it just seems that the operations have been suspended. That doesn't mean that there will never be a team in LA or Austin again. And, you know, obviously, I think there have been some issues with. Um, you know, we're still experiencing the fallout of COVID and how that's had an effect on sports leagues across the world, as well as financial investment as well. Because there have also been rumors going around about oh, a UK-based investment um, consortium wants to invest in LA or a New Zealand-based investment consortium wants to invest in LA. And, you know, there's obviously a rugby market in Austin. So whilst this is a roadblock, I personally yeah. don't feel like this is the end for either city, and I it's hope not. you don't as well. I know um, for some people have expressed that they will not be following MLR going forward. That is perfectly within their rights. But I'm hoping you'll rejoin us when a team finally returns to your city. Okay. One more So it is you. still going to be a while until we have MLR rugby again, but we do have lots of rugby coming up this weekend. So, as we said, the semifinals of the Rugby World Cup will be taking place this weekend on TSN. Again, that game, Canada versus England, will be on Friday, November 4th at 11.30pm. The Premiership and URC continues on Sportsnet. And the Sevens are back with the first leg of the Hong Kong Sevens taking place in 2022. The second leg will be in 2023, and you can find that on CBC. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Anchor FM. And if you enjoy watching these episodes, as well as additional footage, including player interviews, you can do so on our YouTube channel. Remember to like and subscribe as we are at The Rouge Rugby. In fact, you can follow us across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the fine people find you on social media? Um, uh, you can find me at Preset the Jet uh, across all social media platforms. Um, thinking about uh, maybe putting up a little pulse or something to uh, to see who like if if you had the first pick in the dispersal draft, who would you take? I think mm. I might go with Billy Meeks. How about you, Stu? Uh, well, you know, I'm going to stick with the uh, Canadians. I'm going to go with uh, Ben Lesage. Yeah, Benny, Benny and Meeks. I feel like Benny and Meeks mm. could go one, too. That was a pretty yeah. dominant thing. Um, so I might, might throw that up, see what the people have to say, see who if he had the first pick in that dispersal draft. 
And if you'd like to see my answer on social media, you can follow me on all platforms, but mainly Twitter and Instagram at H4RDMAN. That's H4RDMAN. Well, we're going to conclude this episode of the podcast here. Derek, thank you for joining me to discuss our hypothetical dispersal 15s, as well as all the other topics. And thank you all for joining us. We hope you can join us again next time.